Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Right, moving on. The small one said, can I stay? And I said, absolutely not. I've already got two of you in, there's no way. <laughs> so, um, I... I'm preaching today on Mark 3, so we're in our series of Mark, so I don't know if you have a Bible or you like to look it up, but you are really welcome to join me on Mark 3. Um, I'll be really honest, when I've been preparing this, I spent a lot of time being very overwhelmed at how much there is in this chapter and what on earth I'm going to bring to you. And Bren provides great notes, and I sort of thought that I had to do everything, so he did sort of say to me a couple of days ago, you really don't have to preach everything. I thought, oh, great. Thank goodness. I told Ian that before. I thought, thank goodness for that. I don't have to do everything on the list because otherwise I think we'd be here all day. So I think when I, when I read through it again, I thought I realized, oh, yes, the reason why I'm overwhelmed is about at least six preachers, I think, in Mark 3. So I won't be bringing six to you today, but hopefully um, one that we can follow through. So hopefully I've pulled my mind into some sort of organization that, we can, that I can share and it'll be helpful to you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of Mark 3 and then I'm going to pick out um, some stories to you that I hope will be really, really helpful. And we're going to learn or remind ourselves of two things about Jesus within this preach today and two things about ourselves that I really feel that from um, these verses that we are to be reminded of about ourselves and to be encouraged in that. So... Mark 3 starts with Jesus healing on the Sabbath, so it's actually really a continuation of Ben's preach last week, so this this challenge about what the Sabbath is, and is Jesus being really naughty, some of the Pharisees obviously think that he's um, really doing things that he shouldn't be on the Sabbath, so he starts, it starts by him healing on the Sabbath, and then the Pharisees um, actually go away and they're starting to plot to actually finish him off after that, sort of the end of the road for them. Then we move on to Jesus going out and about and actually crowds following him, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And then Jesus appoints the 12 apostles. I mean, like, you know, that's pretty major in in the Bible, pretty major moment. It actually, and it's documented here in Mark 3, appoints the 12 apostles. And then towards the end of Mark 3, it goes on for to discuss that actually Jesus was in a house, his family came to the house. So I'm going to talk a bit about a family today. So I loved what Andrea brought, and I'm going to nick some of that, because I lo- and I love it when God does that, that he brings a prophetic word that absolutely matches in with what the preacher's talking about, and that's happened already. And then there's even a question of, actually, is Jesus good? Could he actually be Satan? Is he possessed? What's this about? And actually, I'm not going to touch that, because that felt like a whole massive thing in in itself but um that's where mark three takes us through so you can imagine trying to prepare the state it felt like a lot so i've brought it back ben gave me the title of he can't do that and i'm going to add a bit of so i'm going to call today he can't do that comma but he did all right so that's where we're going to go so we are going to learn two things about Jesus first together. So right at the start of Mark chapter 3 is this healing on the Sabbath. So I'm going to read it to you. 
Another time, Jesus went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus said, ask them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So from this little story at the beginning of Mark, um, some things when I was really praying about what to bring to you, some things really came out to me. So this reminder that Ben brought to us last week, and I'll remind us again, against this sort of religiosity, this sort of Pharisee behavior. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read about the Pharisees um, in scripture, I can make them out in my head, I'm very pictorial in my mind, to be real baddies, right? They're dressed in black, They've got like tall hats on, they're sort of peering around things, you know, like they're behind the, in the fields, they're behind a fence. Is he picking the grain? Is he on, is he on the Sabbath? You know, they're out working on the Sabbath, by the way, you know, being spies, by the way. But um, actually, I can really make them out to be baddies. I, I don't know if anyone else does that or if it's just me. Okay, well, a few smiles, so maybe other people do. But actually, I think we can miss some stuff. We write them out to be baddies. We can miss it because I can read it and think, well, I'm not a baddie. So, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible that they did that. Absolutely terrible. But I'm missing the point, aren't I? Because this is a story. And what can we bring? So, actually, we all need to be reminded. Now, I'll confess, I quite like things being done in a certain way, right? I'll, I'll admit that, okay. Now, one of the things that I, I'll confess this about me, and you'll have your, you'll all have, if you're honest with yourself, your own little things, right, that you like. So I like the tea and coffee table set out in a certain way, right? And if I do it, it will always be the same way. And actually, if two small people that I've taught, Zachary here, else Grace, the other one, it, they all do it in the same so it makes my heart happy because actually when my kids do it it's all done the same way but you know what it doesn't really matter all that you guys care about is whether you get tea and coffee whether my heart's happy or sad it's just my problem isn't it it's just being a bit you know if I came in and said no no Andrea um actually way that we need to set it up this and you know actually there is thought I'm not just weird like I always think about an order you know like the way you'd want you to get your cup and then you want your tea bag and sort of so I do it in a way that makes sense to me you're all looking at it now aren't you thinking is it done and um but actually what would it be like if everybody who served on coffee I said no 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 can't do it like that it's got to be in this order got to be in this order it's got to be in this order you think you you feel encouraged do you think you'd feel like I really love serving on tea and coffee to be told off by Jen every week no you left on my 
own, to do my own tea and coffee in my own order because I'd be totally missing the point, which is everyone just wants a cup of tea and coffee. And if you're so gracious to serve and help us, we're so thankful, okay? So let's be reminded that we can all be a little bit like this. So when we read about the Pharisees, don't think like I do, you know, sort of dressed in bag, shriveled, black, shrivel-faced baddies, but actually let's challenge ourselves, like, where can I be a bit like this, God? Because actually I don't want to, because there's, there's somebody in this story that Jesus doesn't forget. And I think there's somebody in this story that even we can forget. Because I've read this story a lot of times, and it becomes this debate, doesn't it? This debate of, should Jesus have healed on the Sabbath or not? And he gives the question to the Pharisees, is it, is it good to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And mm, what should we do on the Sabbath? Actually, there's somebody in this story that Jesus didn't forget. That even when we read it, we can forget. There's a man, a man with a shriveled hand. Actually, Jesus never forgot this man. He had compassion for the man. And his life was totally changed, wasn't it? It's just a one-liner. His hand was completely restored. His hand was, his hand was completely restored. Like, how long has this guy had a shriveled hand? Did he not have a hand at all? Like, you know, I can't imagine living with one hand. Is that easy or cheery? Like, I use two hands all the time. They're very necessary. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, all the time to talk. Imagine, I'd be terrible only with one hand to be expressive. So, actually, Jesus never forgot the man. And actually, when we read these stories, don't get caught up in the oh, should he, shouldn't he, da, da, da. Actually, let's remember the compassion. And I think maybe that's the story here, is that actually, if I was to be OCD about the tea and coffee, I'd forget the person that's just done their best, wouldn't I? And that just isn't the point. And actually, I think we're really called here to remember that compassion towards each other and really guard against those times where we feel like, no, 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 I like it done this way. Yeah, and it can happen in all different areas of life. You know, where are we like this with our kids, with our partner, with our, you know, um, with our, even our mother, we could even say, or with our, our father, with our friends, with our work colleagues. There's many places that this might play out, but I would really encourage you that actually I think there's a call in this story for compassion. And actually Jesus never forgot this man, did he? He knew what he was going to do before before the question was asked, before he posed any question. So I'm really suggesting that we must not forget people, actually, in the start of this. And in our processes, in our traditions, and if we are so arrogant to say that we are never Pharisee, Pharise what's the word? Pharisaical, we're foolish. We're foolish. Actually, we all have a bit of this in us. Okay, but actually, do you know what? Sometimes we'll make mistakes and I suggest that we be humble and we say sorry and we just try and do better and try and encourage each other and love each other. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, family towards the end. But this, this story really reminded me, yeah, of that compassion. But about Jesus, the first thing about Jesus, he is a son of God. He never forgot about the whole purpose. He never forgot the mission for people. 
to love, to show love and compassion. So actually the first thing is that Jesus is the son of God, that reminder. Powerful to heal. Now, I wasn't going to include this bit, but I am going to briefly because I found something really interesting out. So I'm going to share it with you. I hope you'll find it interesting. And it's going to tell us the second thing about Jesus. And it's this second bit of Mark uh, 3, starting on verse Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came. And that's sort of where I switch off. And then, if I'm honest, when I've read it before, and then I remember the next bit, um, because the crowd told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he'd healed so many, and it goes on to talk about what he's, what he's done. And I always forgot this bit in the middle. I sort of just read over it. So it actually says, um, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. I'll be really honest, that list of places, I'm not good at geography, right? I can barely find my way around Blackpool, if anyone knows me. I get lost everywhere. I don't have good UK geography, let alone the world. Don't invite me on a quiz where anything's about places. It's not my area of strength, okay? Admit that. So places don't mean a lot to me. So I'll confess, when I've read that before, I'll just glaze over that bit, okay, in the middle. I'll be honest. But actually, in reading some commentaries around these verses, I found out something really cool right, about these innocuous, uh, to me, a totally innocuous list of places, right? So... Jesus is now about teaching and preaching on the road because he's now been banned, hasn't he, from the synagogues. It's not gone well, he's just healed on the Sabbath, they're all planning to kill him, yeah? We just read that, okay? So he's been thrown out, so he's off on the road, yeah? So now he's out and about, okay? We got that, yeah? And now he's drawing this massive crowd from all of these places around, from the whole region. So... What's really interesting about this is King Herod, that was king at this time, Herod Antipas, was double-crossed by his dad on his deathbed. I don't know if any of you know this, this story. This is a little little bit of information that I found. Oh, I think I found something that Julian didn't know. I'm very happy. Okay. So two of the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, actually refer to him as the Tetrarch. Have you heard of this? You'll have heard of this, Ian. Andrea's nodding, which means literally quarter ruler, right? Because he got double crossed by his dad on his deathbed and he ended up with a tiny kingdom and he was really cross about it. So he ended up with a quarter of the size of kingdom that he thought he was going to have and he ended up actually spent his entire reign just trying to extend his, his reign, extend his reach and actually he was only in charge of Galilee and Perea, is that how I say it? Perea. So he actually had this tiny reach. So actually, what this innocuous list of places tells us is it leads us back to that. So you've heard of this phrase, King of the Jews. You've heard of the, um, the Jews waiting for this um, 
soldier, Messiah, this king of the army. You know, this thing, this is what they were waiting for. They thought they were going to have this victorious guy on a horse with armor, didn't they? You know, possibly seven foot. I mean, I would, you know, that's what I'd imagine. Um, You know, glamorous in all, you know, really loads of muscles. And, but this little verse tells us that's come to pass because this is all the regions. So the list is all the regions. So actually, these innocuous list of places refers to how widespread the pull of Jesus was that people coming from all these places to, king, to hear him and therefore really um, fulfills that prophecy of king of the Jews because it's all the regions come to see him. So I love that. So I'm just leaving that there. So actually, Jesus succeeds where this tetrarch, he's not even a king, fails, and he is the king of the Jews. So we've learned two things about Jesus. And now we're going to learn two things about some people in the Bible, and what does that say about us? What can we learn about us? What can we take in, into our lives and our hearts that might really encourage us? So Jesus appoints the twelve. So I'm going to read it. Verse 13. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bowen. Bowen, uh, I've practiced this at home, not going to get it right. Go on, Ian. Bowenerges. Have I got it? Let's glaze over. Which means sons of thunder, which I can say. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So, what do you think of when you read the list of, you know, he called them, Lots of questions around, were they called from a bigger group? Did they get the 12? Do you know what? I don't think that God wants to tell us anything. That's a whole debate. I'm not going to open it. Um, today, what I think God really wants to speak to us today about this list is, do you know, sometimes we read this list and think, wow. I mean, until we get to the last name, Judas, where we think, oh, wow, these guys could never be like them. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And we go on to read Acts, hear about, you know, read the, read the rest of the Gospels, hear about what happened. Wow. Amazing. These stories in the Bible. Then we put it back, don't we, in the past. Don't put it on us that we could do some stuff. Oh, these people in the Bible, amazing. And we sort of get that disconnect, I think, between who they were, called by Jesus, and who we are. Okay? And I think God wants to close that gap a bit today for us. So I'm going to remind you some things. So Simon, renamed Peter, you might know the rock, you know, got, Jesus puts this promise and, and talks to him about, you know, you're going to, um, we're going to build the church, you're going to build the church, really significant. But you know what? It wasn't perfect because what else do we know about Peter? Where's my children? Come on. What else do we know about Peter? Anybody? Anybody? What else do we know about Peter? 
does he have a big mouth? Well, yeah, probably, yeah. I'd say yes, yeah, probably. He denied Jesus, thank you so much. Not even just once, did he? Not even just once and learned from it. Actually denied, continued to deny Jesus. So not that perfect. Okay, so let's carry on down the list. Are we starting to feel any better? James and John, right? Can't say the can't say the name, but sons of thunder, I can say. Feel like they weren't perfect getting a name like Sons of Thunder, yeah? Feel like that's not like, oh, Sons of Peace, you know, Sons of Thunder. These were fiery, fiery fishermen, yeah? Actually, anyone else fiery? Okay, anyone else identify, start to feel any better that these people are perhaps a little more like us than we sort of might think? Andrew was Peter's brother. That's not going to be easy in the future, is it? Doing stuff alongside your brother. Is that ever easy, doing stuff alongside your brother? No, no, definitely comes with its challenges. I'd use mine, not yours, Isaac. Um, Matthew, swindle Peter in the past. Yeah? Oh, got past, got past history. Anyone ever had past history with anyone? Yeah, who's joined the church? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What do you say, Clan? Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. James is Matthew's brother. Then we've got Bartholomew, the cynic. We've got Thomas, the doubter. We've got Simon, the zealot. Mad, angry, angry, uncle. Anyone else can be like that? Yeah, okay. Um, and then Judas. So we're all happy, aren't we, with the end the end one. Judas, the feet. Oh, yeah. Then we end that chapter. Oh, yeah, yeah. We know about Judas. Yeah, yeah. We know about Judas, right? But he wasn't the traitor in the first place, was he? Yeah, this is when he was called. Okay, Jesus knew what was going to happen, but he was one of the gang in the first place, wasn't he? So some things that I really think that God wants to remind us today was actually that they're all different. They're all different. And this is a bit of a picture for us in, in church and what we should look like. We should actually be all different. And actually, I love that, you know, that imagery of the church being the body. Like if we were a load of eyes, you know, if, because we're all, all bits of the body. But if we're all the same and if we were a load of eyes, we'd just bounce around, wouldn't we? Be able to see, but wouldn't be able to go anywhere with any focus, would we? But what if we're all feet? Well, we'd all just walk into things because we don't have no eyes and not know where we're going. So we're all meant to be different, yeah? And the picture of the disciples is they were all different. There's a caution here, I think, for us. And I, when I read it, I read another way this time, which was I'd actually, I mean, I don't know this, I'm guessing, but I'd guess that maybe Simon the Zealot, you know, the one that was a bit fiery, I imagine that sometimes he looked at Thomas, you know, okay, people might call him Thomas the Doubter. Maybe let's call Thomas thoughtful, questioning, bit, bit slower to come to an opinion, a bit more measured. I imagine that Simon, the fiery zealot, a bit like, a bit like me, um, might actually look at someone like Thomas sometimes and think, oh, I wish I could, wish could be like him wish I could just be a bit more like Thomas. I imagine that Simon, um, that um, Thomas, sorry, might look at someone like Simon and think, 
wish I didn't have to think about everything so much. Wish I wasn't in my own head all the time. Wish I could actually just take a bit more action. Wish I could actually just do things a bit quicker. It really frustrates me that my, my head just works a bit slower than everyone else. And I just, my heart can't quite believe as quick as everybody else. And I just find that really difficult. You know? Because we all read this like, oh, that's who they were. It's like they're a character in a book, isn't it? Like they're a cartoon character. But they were, they were people like us with thoughts and feelings and actually doubts and bad times and good times and, play, and times where they thought their gifts were brilliant and times where they thought their gifts were their biggest weakness, just like us. Yeah? So actually, there's some things in this. Yes, we're all different. And they were all different. We're not perfect. None of us. Not even Ben. I can rest assure you as his wife for many years. Okay. If anyone was under any illusion. Okay. The, um, and they're not perfect. And we know this. We know this because we know the story of the disciples. And we can give stories of when we were proved to that they're not perfect. So we know that, don't we? But actually, they spent time with each other. So there's something that we can learn, which is what Andrew was referring to, and I'm going to talk in a minute about family, of brushing up against each other, rubbing up against each other, spending time with each other. Because if I never spend any time, as quite a fiery, fast-thinking person, if I never spend any time with anyone who's a bit more thoughtful than me, I'm not just going to absorb that by osmosis, am I? Actually, it's good for me to walk alongside someone who's a little bit slower at processing and more thoughtful than me because it really helps me slow down, take a moment, look at things a bit differently, and we can bless each other in that, can't we? Yeah? So it's really important. To, so one thing about us is, well, actually, it's two, isn't it? We, we're all different. And we're not perfect, just like the list of disciples. Oh, and I've forgotten this bit that I'll just add on, which is, he took them on an amazing adventure, didn't he, while he was alive. Commissioned them to build the church, share the gospel, the good news. But the reminder here, that's really evident in all the commentaries when you read around these verses, is that he... First, they listened. So it's that, that bit where it says, um, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. Yeah, first they were with him. So that reminder that actually if you want to see some stuff, if you want to see God do some stuff, if you, well, firstly, you know, be there on Wednesday. Let's all encourage each other. Seek him. Seek Jesus. Read your Bible. Spend time with him. And then see what he does. You know, that's what he said to the 12, come be with me, and then he sent them out. Yeah, and that's, that call, I think, is still very much on us, very much if we want to see things happen. You know, sometimes we get a bit stagnant, don't we? We pray the same prayer and think, God, oh, I just want to see this. Actually, come back to God, spend time with him, and then move out. Yeah? Okay. I'm right at the end of Mark 3, my last point in the last thing that I want us to, um, second thing about us, is about family. So what Andrew brought at the end of worship couldn't have been um, more apt for um, what I'm going to bring to you. So I'm going to read 
chapters 20 to 21, and then 31 to 34. Then Jesus entered the crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And then at the end, then Jesus' mother and brother arrived, and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting round him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother, um, my brother and sister and mother. So a few things came up for me here, which is one, which is a bit of compassion for Jesus's family, okay? They've heard that, you know, it's gone wrong in the synagogue, Yeah. He was preaching in the synagogues, wasn't he? And then actually he's been thrown out, and now he's on the road. And then they hear that he's not eating. I mean, like, you know, any mums here who are hearing that their child's not eating? Like, it does something bad to you in your heart. Like, it, it sends you a bit mental. I'm not going to lie, you know. <laughs> the ages where my children have just spat all the foods that I've lovingly made for them sends me a bit crazy. And I don't think you ever, Anne, I don't think you ever let go of that, do you? You always worry, are they eating properly? Are they looking after themselves? All right. Jesus' mom, you know, she's just a mom. And she hears, he's now out on the road. He might be walking for miles. The crowd's nearly getting him. He's had to get in a boat. And now he's not eating. Now he's not eating. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're going to go. We're going to go. Come on, lads. We're going to go. Mother, you can't go on your own. We're going to go with you. Off we go. We're going to go. We go to the house. We're going to help him. Yes, we're going to help him. We're going to sort him out. He must be mad. Must be mad. Why would you not eat? Why are you, do, you know, why are you doing all these things? Oh, and he's now preaching. Oh gosh, I think he's in danger. I think people are going to want to kill him. Actually, they are. Yeah, they are going to want to kill him. And um, you know, they already know that John's died. It, you know, this is like they're really worried, aren't they? That actually, Jesus, something really bad's going to happen. And he's also not even eating himself. He might starve to death before anyone kills him, might he? So they're going to the house just to love him and care for him. And they get all the way there. Let us in. We are Jesus' family. Let us in. Let us in. And they say, and he goes, who are my brother and mother and sister? Here you are all around. Can you imagine how they felt? It doesn't tell us how far they travelled. I mean, like, how old was Mary at this time? Was she fit? Did she, you know, did she have to walk a long way? Had she walked for three days? I can't imagine that I'd be very impressed, if I'm honest. You know, getting all the way there and then have this, who is my mother, brother and sister? Well, there are all these people. I didn't come to theological chat with you I came to see if you were eating yeah and she's still outside she didn't get all the way in did she I think she might have thought he'd say mother come in here come and sit next to me oh you brought I'll stop now everybody half an hour break my mother's brought me a sandwich and some wine yeah I mean I don't know I think that's maybe what she was thinking is what I'd be thinking you know but actually a bit hard for her wasn't it 
bit hard for her. And there's this separation, isn't there? We feel that when we read these verses. We feel that bit of separation, okay? And sometimes that can happen in families. Sometimes that can happen to us. And one thing, I, I listened to a podcast, and one thing that reminded us is, and it was an interesting podcast done by a father and son, and he said he always taught his children, your time in my immediate family is temporary because when you marry and join with your wife, you are now my extended family. I thought, oh, oh gosh, I've never, never exactly thought about it like that. But that, but that is true. That, that is what I've done. You know, when I got married at 21, I left my mother and father and I joined with Ben. And then we are family together. I don't much like thinking about my own children growing up and doing that, if I'm honest. I sort of am with Jesus as mummy, yeah? you know, with Mary. I feel that tension. But actually, sometimes we have these real difficulties, don't we, in family? And sometimes it's the maybe letting go of our children. Sometimes it's maybe being let go. Sometimes it's maybe letting go of our mother, our father, and being, you know, recognizing that we're our own family. Or maybe it's just that life doesn't go exactly how you planned. And maybe your immediate family, there's not good relationships there. And it is really difficult. And it, it's not how you thought it would be. And so actually, these words were not to harm his mother. And I'm going to read this to us. I'm going to finish there and I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. I do know that Francine Rivers is fiction, everybody. Okay, fiction, fully accepting. However, I loved how she explained this bit, and I'm going to read this to us. When James and Joseph told Mary Jesus were back in Capernaum, she was not surprised that they wanted to go down and talk with him. She knew they feared for his life, but even more, this is another one, they fear being excluded from the synagogue because the rabbi had been furious after Jesus had visited and openly that anyone who believed in Jesus, Jesus said openly, anyone who believed Jesus was the Messiah would be cast from the congregation, just as he had been. So there's a lot going on. But then, um, where is it? James told the man in front, so they arrived. There was such a crowd at the house, they couldn't even make it close to the door. Make a way for us, they shouted. James told the man in front of him to send the word forward that Jesus' mother and brothers had come to speak with him. And a few minutes later, Mary heard a voice cry out, call out, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. In these words, who is my mother? She heard Jesus say, who are my brothers? These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. James' face was red and angry. Joseph's pale. Simon and Jude's confused and hurt. James leaned close to her. You see this now, mother. Now that Jesus has a following, he doesn't care about his own flesh and blood. We'll wait for him, she said. Why, Joseph said, to be further humiliated? James put his arm around her. We're, we're leaving. She argued with her children. If she argued with her children, she'd cause further disruption then she gets it. She embraced her younger sons and looked up at James and Joseph. She refused to be swayed by hurt or confusion. She knew Jesus better than they did. Had she not been the one um, 
to feed him, watch him grow to a man. Even as she walked away with them, she tried to turn them back. Remember the parables your brother told us when he came home to Nazareth that last time. He's teaching the people about the kingdom of heaven. He's defining the children of God. He does not think as we think, my sons. It's that first bit again, isn't it? First thing that I taught us, Jesus, son of God. His ways are not like ordinary men's. His ways are higher. And as she spoke, faith, assurance came, bringing comfort with it. He is not excluding us, my sons, but including all those who have come to him to hear what pleases God. She looked back at those who craned their necks to hear her son's words of hope. Those who realize they need God, the gentle and the lowly, the sick, those who mourn, those who are hungry and thirsty for justice. You know him, James, John and Simon and Jude, you know him. Can you really say in your heart that Jesus has no love for you? And I love that Jesus follows this up when he's dying. He actually gives Mary a son, doesn't he? John. And gives John a mother. And that's just a beautiful rounded picture, isn't it? About God's family is bigger than our family, bigger than our thoughts, bigger than our feelings, bigger than our relationships even. So the second thing about us to encourage us today is that God's given us family together and that real encouragement from Andrea to get alongside each other, seek each other out, encourage one another, accept that we're different and it's beautiful and none of us are perfect and say sorry when you mess up because we're all family together. So I'm just going to pray for us. God, I pray that you would really teach us something about you and something about us today, who you made us to be. God, thank you that you brought Jesus to speak words of truth and life and to show us a better way. God, thank you that we are family together and in our imperfect Lord, that you would reveal something amazing to us. Lord, I pray that here in church family, we would find mothers and brothers and sisters together. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.com.